comparison to the fury felt by the Mongol fleet at sea. In addition to the explosive winds and piercing rains came mammoth waves blown high by the storm's wrath. Rolling mountains of water belted the invasion fleet, capsizing many vessels while smashing others to bits. Ships anchored close to shore were swiftly blown into the rocky shoals where they were battered into small pieces. Tamor and his men clung desperately to the ship as it was tossed like a cork in a washing machine. The Korean ship's captain, Yon, expertly guided the vessel through the teeth of the storm, fighting to keep his bow to the waves. Several times the wooden ship heeled so far over that Tamor thought she would capsize. Yet there was Yon standing tall at the rudder as the ship righted itself, a determined grin on his face as he did battle with the elements. It wasn't until a monster forty-foot wave suddenly appeared out of the gloom that the salty captain turned pale. The huge wall of water bore down on them with a thunderous roar. The cresting wave swept onto the ship like an avalanche, burying the vessel in a froth of sea and foam. For several seconds the Korean ship disappeared completely under the raging sea. Men below decks felt their stomachs drop from the force of the plunge, and oddly noted the howl of the wind vanish as everything went black. By all rights, the wooden ship should have broken to pieces by the waves pounding, but the tough little vessel held together. As the giant wave rolled past, the ship rose like an apparition from the deep and regained her position on the frenzied sea. Tamor was tossed across the deck during the submersion and barely clung to a ladder rung as the ship flooded. He gasped for air as the vessel resurfaced and was distraught to see that the masts had been torn off the ship. Behind him, a sharp cry rang out in the water off the stern. Glancing about the deck, he realized with horror that Yon and five Korean seamen, along with a handful of his own men, had been swept off the ship. Without masts and crew, the ship was now at the complete mercy of the storm. Pitching and wallowing feebly in the seas, pounded and flooded by the high waves, the ship had a thousand opportunities to founder, but the simple yet robust construction of the Korean ship kept her afloat, while around her scores of Chinese ships vanished into the depths. The typhoon raged day and night before gradually losing its power, the rain and winds fading to a light squall. The Korean Mugan, battered and leaky, held fast and clung to the surface with gritty pride. Though the captain and crew were lost and the ship was a crippled mess, they had survived all that the killer storm could throw at them. A quiet sense of luck and destiny settled over them as the seas began to calm. No such luck befell the rest of the Mongol invasion force, which was brutally decimated by the killer typhoon, Nearly the entire Yangtze fleet was destroyed, smashed to bits against the rocky shoreline or sunk by the vicious seas. For the Japanese, the arrival of the typhoon was nothing less than a miracle. Divine intervention had prevailed, a sure sign that Japan was blessed with heavenly protection to ward off foreign invaders. So strong was the belief in the kamikaze, or divine wind as it was called, that it permeated Japanese history for centuries, reappearing as the appellation for the suicide pilots of World War II. Hours drifted into days and the days into weeks. With their provisions depleted, the feeble crew resorted to catching fish for food and collecting rainwater for drinking. The gray stormy weather was gradually replaced by clear skies and sunny weather. As the winds tapered, the temperature warmed.
The ship seemed to grow stagnant along with the crew, drifting aimlessly under light winds over a flat sea. Soon a death cloud began to hover over the vessel. Each sunrise brought the discovery of a new corpse as the starving crewmen began to perish in the night. Tamor looked over his emaciated soldiers with a feeling of dishonor. Rather than die in battle, their fate was to starve on an empty ocean far from home. Then one day, squinting at the far line of blue where the water met the sky, Tamor suddenly arched a brow. Blinking forcefully, he looked again, tensing slightly when his eyes registered a small green lump on the horizon. Then his nose joined in on the fantasy. Tamor could smell a difference in the air. The damp salt air that his lungs had become used to now had a different aroma. A sweet, slightly flowery fragrance wafted through his nostrils. Taking a deep breath, he cleared his throat and grumbled to the man on the deck.